Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host Will Parkinson at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by uh, Badlands Turn on the Jets uh, owner, legend, however you want to phrase him uh, these days, Joe Caparoso. Joe, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be talking again this early part of the off season, and there are never uh, dull or quiet days or week with the Jets. So we got to be up on the riff on. <laughs> there is never a dull moment. Um, you know, every time we turn around, something else is getting clipped or something else is, um, you know, being, uh, you know, being, being floating around on Twitter and Instagram and the whole nine yards. Um, obviously, look, I, I kind of want to start here and then we can kind of get into a little bit of the quarterbacks and just some of the free agency trade stuff. Obviously, Lamar, the Ravens had their press conference and uh, I'm not sure why everyone's taking so much stock into what the Ravens are saying publicly. Uh, Joe Douglas said Jamal Adams is going to be a jet for life. Josh Rosen's the guy. Vrabel said four days before A.J. Brown was traded that as long as he's the coach there, he'll never trade A.J. Brown. And four days later, he was gone. So that was my long-winded way of saying, don't believe a lot of what you hear publicly from teams. Uh, this is leverage season. This is, uh, you know, leaky building season. But I want to kind of get your opinion first off on kind of state of the franchise, I guess, because now we're, what, two, three weeks removed from the Jets uh, kind of collapsing, obviously, six losses in a row. And it feels like the vibe went from they're a quarterback away or they can even win with Zach Wilson to they're not they're not good anymore. Then it flips back to they're really a quarterback away. Where are you at with kind of overall the Jets franchise and kind of where you are, your attitude is going into, you know, February and March of uh, an exciting offseason? I think um, it's a matter of finding a happy medium. I think there has been progress in that they are not a true dumpster fire anymore, which they were during the Gase and McCagnan era uh, and large chunks of, you know, uh, Bowles' tenure and, and obviously certain certain parts of the Idzik time here as well. They, they are not in that like bottom three, bottom four teams in the league who are just like miles away. They've gotten, they've elevated above that, which is encouraging. Now, I think on the other end of it, there are a lot of teams right now who are saying we're just a quarterback away and like we're really close we're just a quarterback away the broncos feel that way they're saying we'll just have a better performance from our quarterback and we'll get there you know teams like even just like whipping around the rest of the conference like the titans are like we were a game away from making the playoffs and if our guy was healthy we would have been in uh the raiders are saying if we just get a little better than Derek carr uh ironically a guy you know the jets are going to try to get most likely you know, we would have been in the playoffs. You know, the Saints, if we had more consistent quarterback play, we would have been in the playoffs. We were a game away. The Panthers, if we had played Darnold all year instead of Mayfield, we're probably in the playoffs. So there's like a crop of like eight to 10 teams of which the Jets are in that 
are not the Texans uh, or the uh, the Bears have a lot of maneuverability this offseason. We'll see how that plays out. But who think that they are just one player away? Now, the Jets, look, they have some young talent. I apologize for all the sirens here in Hoboken. Uh, they, um, they have young talent to be excited about. You should be really excited about Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner uh, and Brees Hall and AVT and Quinton Williams and all these guys. That being said, it's it's a tricky spot for the current regime. This is a tough OC search to execute uh, coming off of last year. It's not impossible, but tough. And there is rightly pressure on them to win this year because it's been a bit of time, uh, especially for the general manager. And it's going to be a hard job this offseason, but it will be a way for them to prove that they are really the guys. If they are really the guys and they are going to stay for year four, five, and six, let's call it together, they're going to have to find a way to get over the hump this offseason and answer a hard question at quarterback, navigate restructuring some contracts, and make do with just one first-round pick and not the most money ever to spend in free agency in a weak class. That's what separates the middle-of-the-pack, whatever, forgettable GMs. Not the worst in the league, but certainly not one of the best in the leagues, which is where I put Joe Douglas right now. Uh, and the ones who end up really sticking around and winning. So it's not, you shouldn't be like in despair if you're a Jets fan. It's definitely better than it's been uh, in other recent years. But I also wouldn't act like this regime is infallible and they don't, they still don't have a lot to prove. Yeah, look, I'm on the same page as you, kind of majority of what you mentioned there. I think that, there's a world in which you can be positive about a lot of the young pieces, the young core. They finally have valuable players at receiver, cornerback, um, you know, obviously very valuable positions. They have valuable offensive linemen. The problem is, is obviously the only one that's <clears throat> you could really count on um, is Elijah Vera Tucker. And we don't really know, you know, maybe he plays tackle next year and he becomes more valuable. Obviously they have valuable players in a, um, in a CJ Mosley and Brees Hall play positions that, you know, are important, but obviously, again, as we know, um, you know, they're not, they're not left tackle quarterback, um, you know, corner and, and wide receiver, which are really kind of those general four positions in football. I think that part of the issue here is the Jets fan, generally speaking. And I think people that kind of speak about the Jets, there's either people that are really high in the Jets that think this roster was quite, Zach was so bad. And the offense was so bad that, you know, with just even competent quarterback play, their 11 win team and, they're, you know, they're in the division round this weekend after, you know, they would have been the five seed and they would have beat Jacksonville and the whole nine yards. And then there's other folks that I feel like believe, you know, in a way they were almost kind of lucky to be seven and 10 with how bad the offense was and the defense isn't repeatable. And there's just, there's such a wide variance right now in, in the way you talk about the Jets. And as you mentioned, there's just a middle ground. I feel like, you know, I sound like a broken record because I say there's always a middle ground with everything in politics and sports and life, everything, but um you know, I, I really do think this roster's got a lot of talent, but there's a lot of holes and there's a lot of injury questions and there's coaches questions and they don't have a quarterback. And I, I just think we have to keep putting in perspective. They do not have a dominant edge player. They have a lot of really nice pieces on the defensive line. They don't have this. They're, they're more of a group that's really dominant as opposed to like this one dominant edge guy. Their dominant D lineman is obviously Quinton Williams. On the offensive side of the ball, they have two dominant young pieces, but they don't have a quarterback and their offensive line's a question. So I think just big picture and they have ownership that I think does spend money. And I think they do want to win. I just don't think they have a proven track record the last decade. That's anything to, to brag about. 
And they have a general manager that, and a coach that I think a lot of people like, I think you're well-respected league-wide. We almost to, to a fault at sometimes you see the reaction if you criticize them in any way. Um, but at the same time, they, they've made some mistakes early on. They have room to grow for sure. Um, I guess all that in saying we're going into a big off season in terms of a lot of the in-house kind of bookkeeping. It's one of the first Jets guys that we Jets homegrown players that we all expect to get extended. Are you nervous at all about the, the Quinn and Williams stuff? Um, or do you think they kind of wrap this up? Because I, I just think this is one of those, if this drags out and, and goes poorly, it's, it's same old Jets. And I, I can't even defend it, right? Because he's a homegrown guy, he's a good, big locker room guy, well-likable, you know, young, no character concerns. There's no reason to not sign him other than, you know, maybe this was his quote-unquote best year and he'll never reach out. Who knows? Maybe he gets better, you know? Uh, we don't know. And then there's the side of it. If the Jets wrap this up quickly, get it done, does it give you confidence going into the offseason? Wow, maybe they, this organization and this, these guys kind of do know what they're doing going forward. I feel like it's going to get done pretty seamlessly. I don't think there's going to be any prolonged drama around it. I, I think they will probably read the tea leaves and the temperature that they are approaching hot seat status. And if I'm that front office, a layup win with the media, with the fan base is taking care of a homegrown all pro player, uh, which they struggled with historically. And I Quinnen or someone or close to him had already referenced how rare it is for a Jets first round pick uh, to get a second contract from them. So I think if I was Joe Douglas, I would be looking and, you know, again, in a perfect world, you're just thinking through the lens of what's best for the team. And I'm not saying this isn't what's best for the team, but man, it'd be an easy way to get some really positive headlines about yourself and your team in late March, early April. Quinton Williams gets a new five-year, $115 million contract, you know, X guaranteed money. Maybe there's an out after three years. You know, look at the Jets. They're properly run now. They're taking care of their guys. I, it would be very unwise to have this drag into the summer over like five to $10 million and have the circus narrative bubbling up and the jets don't take care of their guys so it seems like a very easy win financially there's a way to make it work and there's other things that they can do to make sure they have the money and not be you know too far up against the cap so i think this is something that moves pretty seamlessly this offseason yeah look i'm on the same page i think the easiest thing to do would be to wrap quinn up pretty quickly and get quincy to an extension quickly and just get that mess out of the way I've obviously I spoke about this on, on the pod the other day and I think we spoke about this I'm not Quincy's biggest fan uh, I think there's certainly some issues that the Jets have to he's gotten way better and I'm not doubting that I just there is still some holes there in his game that said you know you wrap those two guys up you figure out the Huff extension quickly or you you know the second round tender as um, Jason Fitzgerald suggested yesterday all of a sudden you're in a spot where it's like okay three guys big fan favorites and not just that you're just not – that are also productive players, right? And Huff's your best edge rusher per snap basis. Quinn Williams is your best player probably per snap basis. So getting these these small things wrapped up and taken care of goes a long way. I want to kind of get your thoughts. Me and you, uh, you know, I've talk, I talked a lot about off-air, a lot of the stuff that was in Zach Rosenblatt. had a really nice piece this morning. You know, the Zach Wilson, Michael Floor, and kind of the leaky building stuff. You know, we always joke that the – Jets building is everyone loves to say it's the Pentagon when it's it's in fact not. Um, were you surprised anything that was in that piece? Um, I, I mean, I, I I feel like a lot of what was in that piece was stuff that was kind of 
rumbled about for a long time and it kind of all just got put in one piece but the teammates being openly very excited that zach was getting benched and openly very annoyed that he was coming back when mike white was injured the elijah moore stuff some of the michael floor stuff or is anything in there that was surprising to you or this is just your what par for the course in the in an off season where you know gm your front office and coaching staff may go a little bit head to head it was a really good read i didn't find anything in it too shocking uh I, I've referenced it a few times, but I sat behind the bench in that New England game, and you could basically tell that most of the offense was not comfortable with Zach Wilson. And there was some, there was a big disconnect. I'll put it that way to be polite about it in his relationship with the rest of the, his offensive teammates, uh, which stinks. But there was clearly something there. You know, we we had heard some smoke around the Elijah Moore stuff, so just seeing it contextualized a little more while entertaining was not overly surprising. I don't think from a personality standpoint. LaFleur or Zach Wilson were the most popular people in the building. And you have a situation now where there'll be a little bit of finger pointing between uh, the front office and the coaching staff. LaFleur is an easy guy to kick on the way out the door. I think sooner or later, Zach will be out the door too. So the two of them are likely going to get a lot of the heat because they won't be major part of, they won't be part of the plan or major parts of the plan next year. So I think you'll, this is the start of a good amount of stuff you'll see uh, that sounds like this about what went wrong. I just, if you're a Jet fan, like, I don't think you should be that surprised that a lot of offensive players in that building, probably a lot of your favorite players on the Jets offense, uh, were not crazy about either Zach Wilson or Mike LaFleur and are excited there's going to be changes there. So on a, on a slight comical note, before we kind of uh, head on some of the other serious stuff, on the scale of things you thought you'd say, on January 19th, 2022, or 2023, I guess. Wow. Whereas one of them being Sam Darnold, if he had played more this year, would have made the playoffs. And B, would, how funny will it be next year when Michael LaFleur is calling plays for the Rams and instantly well-regarded again in NFL circles and everyone is like, oh, here, same old Jets, even if it's even, even if it probably could end up being the right decision. Like, what is going to be more annoying, the fact that you just said that or B – that Michael Floor, uh, you know, calling plays for the Rams likely next year, like the way it looks, uh, will be openly lauded by Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt for three straight hours on on Rams uh, primetime games. Look, I, I think uh, I think let's keep the context that Darnold was in a division that was won by an eight and nine team. Uh, I don't. Fair, and, fair. Look, I think Sam, I think, has shown that he can be a good spot starter, not a full time starter, and that's not a bad thing to be. He'll have a long, successful career in the NFL because he can come in and start for three or four games and provide some juice. I think Lafleur, like again, I was more high on the floor than most. Not while admitting that he stunk down the stretch last year, like. The Rams are going to be an interesting team to watch next year. I, we'll see exactly how that roster comes together, but he's someone who will be in the league for a long time as an offensive coordinator or as an assistant offensive coach. One, there's a ton of nepotism in the NFL. So it's a, it's a small circle of the same people getting different jobs as we see from all the candidates the Jets are interviewing. And I think he'll do, he'll do pretty good next year. Uh, he's, not, he's not a bad offensive mind. The Jets, neither side set up each other for success. Uh, and it, it was probably time for them to part ways, but I think he'll be okay overall uh, with that Ram situation or wherever he ends up next. Yeah, no, I, I didn't want to get you uh, get you clickbaited uh, with the same thing. I just thought it was pretty comical because there was. Like, I gotta a, be careful. You get. I know. I know. Now I, you get like a, the content. Think it's taken out of context. All of a sudden, that's it. 
Yeah, you end up like Connor today saying the Jets should draft a tight end after eight minutes of talking about uh, how, how how there were seven other paths they could go. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most unlikely but potential path if all eight other things go wrong in the 13 picks. Um, no, I not that we have, I don't want to get into Sam, but it is funny that, you know, looking at some of these guys where, you know, the reason they didn't have success here, we, we talked about a little bit this morning about, you know, Jets young quarterbacks and this kind of finishing on the Zach piece of just the offseason of, Whoever the Jets have a quarterback next year, I think we can all agree there needs to be a plan in place, both from an offensive coordinator perspective, quarterback coach. You look back at the traditional, the Jets have gone on these runs where they four or five, you know, I think you reference it all the time between 98 and 2011. They made the playoffs seven or eight times in the, in the 12 or 13 years. It was very random times where they wouldn't make the playoffs. And it wasn't because the roster wasn't good. It was usually because Chad Pennington got hurt, Brett Favre got hurt. Like there wasn't years where they were legitimately bad outside of one or two. It was, they some Vinny got hurt like there wasn't it wasn't because they weren't good uh the roster was generally good and if they got healthy quarterback play they pretty much made the playoffs every year I mean maybe I'm missing one or two years but it feels like if you go back in Jets history other than like maybe 2000 even every year they were good because the quarterback was healthy and having support around them and it's not just that the Jets have the Jets have tried a lot of different things but having veteran proven guys that you may have to overpay and this is going to lead into the coordinator thing i don't want to touch on it too much you and connor did a really nice job on it last night so you know if anyone listening go listen to the badlands episode from um you know wednesday january 18th if you want to get into some more of the quarterback partnership with coordinators but senior offensive assistant something mixed with a quarterback it could be a quarter that could be the quarterback coach who knows mixed with an offensive play caller that's innovative understands today's nfl i think is the key and then no matter you know who you have in here as a quarterback, you hope you maximize them. And obviously you'd love the top of the market guy, but you know, bring in some competition for people. You look at a lot of the, the defensive line, the secondary, all of a sudden they brought in competition for all these guys and the Jets instantly got way better at those spots. It's, it's weird how that works. Um, the running back room, Michael Carter was nice. Guess what? Brees Hall's better. Um, right. So I, th- you know. I think Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight may also be better too. Yeah, look, it's what happens, right? You look at you look at some of these these position rooms and where the Jets made huge strides this year. They brought in talent to compete with some of the other talent they had in the roster. We thought the Jets had some nice talent, you know, with Moore and Mims and Davis and Barrios, right? That's a decent room. Not great, but decent. You bring in Garrett Wilson, all of a sudden people start sliding into their proper, you know, ranking. Uh, I kind of wanted to touch on the coordinator thing just quickly from this perspective. What's your... What do you think happens first? You think they go, they under, like they figure out coordinator first, and then you know they use that to kind of determine who they're going to bring in a quarterback, or do you think the Jets kind of string this out, talk to candidates now, and depending on what happens with a Carr, Lamar, Rogers, whoever, you know, then they kind of pair the the quarterback with with the coordinator. Do they try to go like the the route of bring the guy, bring a coordinator in, you bring in Hackett or whoever, hoping for Rogers, or do they go? We're going to get Rodgers, just using Rodgers as the example. Don't take this out of context. But then bring in a then bring in a Hackett, you know, with him as like a partnership duo. Like what's more yeah, likely, it, I guess? It's – I think the offensive coordinator is still ultimately hired before uh, we get real clarity on what's going to happen at quarterback. Hopefully they have a plan A, plan B, plan C up on the whiteboard, and they have, you know, a strategy for all these different things. My guess is that um, it's going to be a couple more weeks before they make a decision and where they think they end up with a quarterback will help inform it heavily. I, I Hopefully they are not going to do something where they're like, well, like we're not crazy about Hackett, but we think he's going to help us recruit Rodgers. Like we saw that worked out for Denver last year. I think like 
talk to as many people as you can have an idea of where your plan a is at quarterback and then try to pair those decisions to the best of your ability um, with some of the guys they may be able to work with you know a range of different uh people uh at as their offensive coordinator uh we'll see i think it's going to be a bit before they make a decision at least another like week and a half or so I'm, I'm fully on the same page there. I want to kind of quickly hit on, you know, three quick topics here. Saw Garrett Wilson up for that, the Pepsi kind of fan voted rookie of the year quickly. Who wins the sauce get the, uh, the W over Garrett Wilson, or I feel like a Jets person is going to win a, a Twitter, uh, a Twitter award. I think sauce ultimately ends up winning it along, of course, with re- winning uh, defensive rookie of the year. I think sauce is the guy though. I, I, I tend to agree. I hope Jets fans, uh, you know, are able to vote for both. Um, so that, that'd be, that'd be a nice, uh, you know, kind of trophy on their mantle. I, I wanted to kind of, this doesn't have to be kind of long here, but in terms of power ranking, I guess their biggest needs in free agency in that trade market, because obviously the draft will impact, you know, its own, you know, its own being and everything. And if they have their picks, if they don't, you know, we don't know yet, but from a free agency trade perspective, what would you say the top three, your top three biggest needs you'd like to see them address, whether it's for depth. Um, or whether it's for, you know, guys to come in and be starters. Um, you know, what are those top three you think biggest position needs in the free agency in the trade market? All right, let's, well, if we put, let's put everything aside with quarterback. I think, um, you know, defensively, I'm looking at safety and linebacker. Uh, they need someone to pair uh, with Jordan Whitehead, who will be back next year. Linebacker, let's assume we know we're going to get at least one more year. Mosley, Quincy Williams is probably back because of Quinnen still getting some more there because I think Quan's going to leave for a bigger role elsewhere. And I don't think you're going to get anything out of Sherwood or Nazardine. So another piece at linebacker could be needed. They need another defensive. I'd like to see them add another. Finally, I could say I want another interior defensive lineman. Uh, let's have someone better in that Solomon Thomas role. And that Solomon Thomas, like Nathan Shepard role. Can you get someone better there? Offensively, I do think they're going to address it predominantly in the draft, but they can continue to add to that offensive line. They just keep throwing pieces against the wall so you have as much depth as possible. Uh, you know, Herbig, I know he, it, it ended poorly, but he was good in like a short spurt. So you got to keep throwing some like veteran chips there and guys who could be spot starters. So uh, curious, you know, to see how they approach that. But uh, and the only other thing I would keep an eye on is, is wide receiver. It's a pretty interesting list, actually. I think Corey Davis is gone. So Darius Slayton, Jacoby Myers. Is there someone else that is plug and play or do you go big and go get a DeAndre Hopkins in the trade market or someone like that, but they need another receiver for their 11 personnel. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. I think the safety will be a camp competition between Tony Adams and whoever they bring in, whether it's a pick uh, or a, or a free agent, I think adding another linebacker or, and then, you know, center and guard are the two other ones, you know, do the jets move AVT to tackle and sign a guard do they re-sign McGovern or sign a center or draft one? I think that's important. And then you mentioned receiver. Um, is it a Hopkins, Evans, um, one of those bigger names that's Godwin, whoever know, you know, whoever you know know there. Obviously, maybe not Godwin because of the, the size. Um, last quick question here before we uh before we wrap. Do the Jets, do you think the Jets make a a quarterback move? within the next month meaning is Derek Carr going to happen now is Derek Carr the guy and does it happen before the February 15th deadline um basically do they trade for him and or do they kind of you know let it play out uh past February 15th man that's uh that's a tough one I 
I'd say it's almost like 50-50 because listen, Lamar would be a ton of fun. Do I think mathematically it's like likely to happen? Probably not. It's probably like a 10 or 15% chance thing. I think there's definitely a world where Garoppolo just goes to the Raiders. Uh, maybe Brady goes to the Dolphins. I, I don't know. That's kind of been like the interesting one getting thrown out there. It would not shock me if they were aggressive just to put a bow on Carr if they could, if they felt confident in it early in the offseason. Uh, I'm curious to see who else is like in the market for him. But it feels like somewhere between like a 30 and 50% chance I could see that happening. I uh, will continue to keep that updated. I'll have another episode either potentially Saturday or Sunday. Um, Joe's going to have an episode with Connor coming out tomorrow. Um, I believe there'll be a Bad Lavins episode tomorrow as well. Um, And then, you know, a ton of content uh, on the feed. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, You know, rate, review, subscribe to to the pod and and make sure you're subscribed to Badlands. And uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, next week.